Hare Krishna. So today we're, we're looking at the. Uh, this is the topic here comes from the end of chapter two in Bhagavad Gita, and the the profound knowledge that's um, uh, Ruda Prabhu's translation of Sitta Prajna. Because uh, so, uh, you know cause the 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 pra prefix is an intensifier, and so it's profound. Not, it's not just this knowledge, but it's, it's it's really powerful, profound. He calls it profound knowledge, and so. So the 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 it precipitates from uh, uh, the statement that that Krishna makes in in two fifty three. He tells Arjuna, he says, "When your mind is no longer disturbed by the flowery language of the Vedas, and when it remains fixed in the trance of self-realization, then you will have attained the divine consciousness." And so, so first of all, Krishna. Uh, instructed Arjuna about the soul. That was his first thing. But he didn't expect that, that Arjuna would be able to grasp it in a deep way. There's the verse that says, even if you, you know, even if you hear about it, you can't understand anything about it. It's so amazing that it's very difficult to grasp. So you can have a certain conceptual knowledge. And, uh, but, and that, that's, reason, that's easy enough to do. And actually, that, that conceptual knowledge is helpful. If you understand that there's something about you that's eternal, that you are eternal, that it's, you know, then you understand that you have to look at, take a longer view, longer term look at your life. Right? It's not just one life. It's not even just even many lives necessarily, but there, there's, there becomes that notion that, that you're beyond any of these lives, that you're something that's eternal, that, uh, and Krishna mentions this, that you, you, can, you can become deathless without death. An amritam, you know, no, 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 no death. And so, so you, you can repurpose your life if you have some faith in that, that you're not just living once or even, even, even living multiple times, but there's something about you that, that can be you know, full of knowledge, bliss, and, and eternity, and can exist beyond the cycle of birth and death. So it can help you to, 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 be, to have an interest in accessing that. And, uh, and so, but still, it's very difficult to grasp. We had the... I think it was Bayahari Prabhu. He had he gave a, a Sunday talk some weeks ago at the begin end of last year, beginning of this year, and he asked the question. You know, he says, "How many how, how many of you know that you're spirit souls?" And you know, all the arms go up practically. You know, and then he says, "How many people you know are living <laughs> as if they're souls?" You know, and not so many hands go up. <laughs> so there, there's a there's a it, it, it's it's a it's easy it's an easy concept, but it's a difficult one to really experience and to live. And so, so then, then, then Krishna gives Arjuna, uh, he, called, he called it buddhi yoga. He says, I'm going to give you a practice, a way that you can begin to access that. And, uh, and so Arjuna, he says, should do his religious duty, should follow his dharma, regardless of the outcome. And he should do it without any attachment to the results. So he, he didn't want to fight, he said, you do it anyway. And you don't do it because it's going to give you some positive karma. This is this is the, this is the general incitement 
to perform your dharma is that you'll get some karma, you know, punya karma. You'll get some some uh, good karmic results. You'll be able to enjoy from that. He says you don't want to do that. He says you just perf- perform it just because it's the right thing to do, regardless of whether you want to or not, and regardless of the results. You know, this is this buddhi yoga. And then uh, he and so he describes that a little bit to to Arjuna. And then here he starts to describe what happens when that practice becomes mature. So he, he, when your mind is no longer disturbed by the flowery language of the Vedas, and when it remains fixed in the trance of self-realization, you will have attained the divine consciousness. And so we'll look a little bit, uh, a little bit at, at, at the Sanskrit. Um, it says the, the the Vedas, the, the Shruti, as was heard, they they promise so many different material benefits. And so one can be attracted by those things. Because it's, it, it's, it's not just a question of being attracted to the material things in front of your face right now. But the Vedas give you notions that you can, you can have much, much greater ones than you're faced with right now. You have opportunity for, for much greater material advancement. You can live where the, where the, where the demigods, the devatas live. Where things are, you know, your your life is long, your capacity to enjoy is great, and the, the facilities there are are fantastic. So compared to this is a dump, you know, this earth is a dump compared to, compared to Svargaloka. So here it says that that when 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 is, one isn't disturbed by that, is attracted by that, like you know, because because uh, Krishna has given Arjuna this focus. He says you have to be focused on this attempt. If you're going to practice Buddha Yoga, you have to have this kind of fixed determination that this is your goal. You want to realize yourself as a soul. But if you're attracted by so many things, that'll, that'll be a, 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 a stumbling block on the path for you. So here it's, it talks about this, it has samadhav, this samadhi, right? this, this, this fixed meditation. or you know, it's, it's, you're, you're completely absorbed in something. And achala buddhis, right? fixed intelligence, unflickering intelligence. Right? And Krishna talked about that. And it says, at that, point, at that time you've attained yoga. And so Prabhupada has translated that as divine consciousness. Um, and so we, we, saw, we saw previously uh, about how people generally are disturbed by the, or are attracted by the, the wonderful things promised by the Vedas in Bhagavad Gita 2.42 and 43. Krishna says, men of small knowledge are very much attached to the flowery words of the Vedas, which recommend various fruitive activities for elevation to heavenly planets, resultant good birth, power, and so forth. Being desirous of sense gratification and opulent life, they say that there is nothing more than this. And then he says, in the minds of those who are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence, and who are bewildered by such things, the resolute determination for devotional service to the Supreme Lord does not take place. And that's, uh, that, that's uh, this Vyavasa Atmaka, this, this firm resolve, same as the Achala Buddhist in, in the verse we're considering. So he, so he says, so here it says, when you're, when you're no longer attracted by these wonderful things that the, the Vedas promise, then you can have this fixed intelligence. And back here it says, if you, don't, if you are attracted to those things, you can't have the fixed intelligence. So you already talked about that a little bit. And so then Arjuna is curious about that. 
And so he, he so he asked he in in, in two fifty four he asked the question. He says, Arjuna said, Oh Krishna, what are the symptoms of one whose consciousness is thus merged in transcendence? How does he speak? And what is his language? How does he sit? And how does he talk? So he wants to know. Tell me about this. What, 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 what does it look like? What is, how, does, how does it work? And uh, and so there's the the Sita Prajnasha is uh, uh, is a one who is fixed in Krishna consciousness, in, situated in fixed Krishna consciousness. This is what we've uh, we've called profound knowledge, Sita Prajnasha. Uh, and then again, there's Samadhi Stasya. Right, the samadhi. This word samadhi comes up again, situated in 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 in, in samadhi. So, someone whose intelligence is fixed and their attention is fixed in a certain way. Right? So, their understanding. There's there's two things. There's the understanding, and then there's the focus. So, when we can have a certain understanding, even we can have an understanding that 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 isn't fixed. Sometimes it wants one thing, it wants the material thing, sometimes it's attracted to the spiritual. That's unfixed uh, in intelligence or understanding. And so that we, therefore we don't have a firm resolve. We have multiple, it says, it says many branches. <laughs> we have many things we want to have. So that doesn't allow us to be, to, to, to be very focused in our practice, in our, in our uh, attempt. And then there's also this samadhi, this ability to remain concentrated. So we may even have strong faith that we want to approach the spiritual, but our, our concentration may waver. So, so he's he's asking now uh, uh, Krishna about this. What, what does it look like? And so there's four questions that he's asking. So how is the person situated in profound knowledge described? What is, how do you describe it? Kabasha. <laughs> what is the description? That's the first question. Well, this is, this, and so, so Krishna answers in, in, in 2.55. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, O Partha, when a man gives up all varieties of desire for sense gratification, which arise from mental concoction, and when his mind thus purified finds satisfaction in the self alone, then he is said to be in pure transcendental consciousness. And then you look at, look at the at the Sanskrit a little bit. So he's given up prajahati, kama, and all selfish desires. And it, and it says it's manogatan, coming from the mind. Right? So when we in in our in our lives, we will experience if we try to sit peacefully. You know, or even if we don't, we'll find that different things enter our minds and say, "Let's do this. How about that? I would like this." This is natural, uh, a natural thing that the, if, if, we, if we if we pay attention to it, we'll notice many different desires will come into our minds, almost all the time. Well, you know, <laughs> we're thinking like that, and so here he, he says, "I'm not interested in that," which is you know seems strange to us, right? We have so many desires. Why, do, why would I give up my desires? And, uh, and but it says that he's atmani uh, evatmana uh, tushta satisfied by the experience of, of, of the self. There's tushta. There's this satisfaction that they're feeling. 
Right? So the, the desires that we have, they're based on a feeling of lacking that we live with. Why do we want them? Because I can be happier than I am right now. I'm not satisfied. So let me have this. You know, the, the, the advertising industry you know, makes its living off that. that if, if you have this, you will be happier. And maybe that's all you need. You, know, you just need this. This is the one thing missing to make your life perfect by this particular model of whatever it is they're selling. And we, well, it's worth a try. We want to be happy and we're not so. Let's try it. So there's a certain emptiness or a lacking that, 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 that's in our lives as we experience it because we're not this, we don't have the profound knowledge. And so these things, we, these desires that come in the mind, we take them quite seriously. And if you say resist them, you know, it can be very difficult even. Right? You can you struggle to if you say, okay, now I'm not gonna I don't want that. I'm not gonna do that, I'm not gonna do that. You know, oh, you know, you make you know it can be very, very difficult. It, it seems like a, a power. You know, uh, even Arjuna talks about that. There's like a force that causes you to follow your desires. It just seems to overpower you. You know, it's like it's not even just little little idle chatter, but you really, you know, it really comes into your mind and affects you. But here it says that there's this internal satisfaction. And that the identification of, of your identity changes. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, says that, that, that they realize it's just your mind. These desires are just the mind, which isn't an integral part of you. <laughs> We're thinking, this is my desire. I have to have this. I want it. And say the person in, in this condition realizes that, that, that the, the mind is just kind of a superfluous thing up there that I'm filled with satisfaction I'm the, I'm the soul filled with satisfaction so this just chatter it's idle chatter it doesn't resonate it doesn't grab you and say oh yes I need it it's just chatter idle, idle talk up, up, in, up in your head hmm? so this is unusual hmm? we're not experiencing life this way right? so if this also applies because there's two ways to look at these verses. There's the progression of yogas that Krishna is giving Arjuna, but also these yogas can can have a, can apply to our our bhakti, our devotional service. So we're we're also supposed to come to that situation where we're satisfied in our service to Krishna, that we realize that we're that we're servants of Krishna. Eternally, we feel that happiness. We feel that inner satisfaction. And when the mind, what the mind says, we want this, I want that, we don't take it very seriously either. So there's, there's a certain, this progression of yogas mirrors the progression of bhakti. Prabhupada started out telling us, he told people, told people right away that you're not, you're not, we're not our bodies, we're a soul. And therefore we should you know, take up the practice of spiritual life so that you don't have to suffer the way you're suffering now. You don't have to take repeated births and deaths, which are you know, not a pleasant circumstance. You can have eternity, knowledge, and bliss. And then if you do that, right, 
and you practice properly, you will come to the point where you develop this inner satisfaction. And this feeling that, that I am that thing that serves Krishna. That's who I am. That's what I am. And be fully satisfied with that. And Prabhupada says in the purport, he says, the highly developed soul always remains satisfied in himself by realizing himself as the eternal servitor of the Supreme Lord. Such a transcendentally situated person has no sense desires resulting from petty materialism. Rather, he remains always happy in his natural position of eternally serving the Supreme Lord. So in, in, in most of our practices, we have fluctuations. For there's periods where we feel very, very happy and joyful in our service, and there are times when the temptations, the desires coming in the mind become powerful and distract us away. So we're aiming in our, in our practice to become, to develop this profound knowledge where we can steadily remain in that notion of a feeling of satisfaction and happiness in serving Krishna. Now this question, this description, will, will be fleshed out a little bit more in the future verses also. It's not completely done here, but, uh, but, but uh, it will continue. And then, uh, but now we have the second question. Hmm? What does such a person say? Because it, it, it says, how does he speak? And so, so the Acharyas explained that, that it's, uh, when something happens, either pleasant or unpleasant, or when something happens to us, if it's, you know, you know oh, you've just won the lottery. <laughs> you know, or, oh, <laughs> I wrecked your car, <laughs> good or bad. You'll have some thought, or you'll say something, or you at least have some thought, you know. Oh no! <laughs> you know? Oh, wonderful! And immediately, you know, we react to those things in that way. We speak. We, you know, so it says when when they're when, when they're um, uh, faced with either something pleasant or something unpleasant. How do they, what do they talk? How do, how do they speak? What do they think? What goes through their mind? You know, how do they react to that? And uh, and so the, uh, Krishna answers that question. He says, "One who is not disturbed in mind." even amidst the threefold miseries, or elated when there is happiness, and who is free from attachment, fear, and anger, is called a sage of steady mind. So this is sending, this, this is, the way I see this is as, as expanding on the first question and helping us to, to understand the answer to the second question. And so this, again, this is, kind of, this is kind of the background of why are they going to say, react how they do which it also relates back to, to the characteristics of somebody who has this, this understanding. And so the, in, in, in the Sanskrit, there, there's a, there's, it says there's, a, there's a dukeshu and sukeshu, unhappiness and happiness. Right? And it says, it says they're, they're not, their mind isn't disturbed by that, and they have, they have, uh, they're, they're, they're uh, not attached to, they don't have attachment, they don't have fear, and they don't have anger. Right? So this, and so, I mean, if you look at those three things, that's enough. I and mean, first of all, you know, when, when something good or bad happens, at least our mind is disturbed. Even if we don't say anything, at least we'll, we'll, we'll feel mentally disturbed or mentally happy. And But then this, this, this attachment, fear, and anger, 
even if I just say to be free from that, you can, you can, you can listen to that sentence, free from attach, you know, attachment, fear, and anger. Well, that sounds good. Sounds like the right thing to do. Right? Those things aren't very nice. But think about it. How to be free from attachment? There's things we want, the things we don't want, you know, and fear. You know, aren't we afraid of what might happen? We want certain things, and we're afraid of things that might happen. And when the desired thing doesn't happen, we tend to be angry about it. I don't get my desires, or I'm forced to accept something I didn't want. <laughs> right? The thing I was afraid of happened. There's anger. And it seems to us just as natural as anything. Why wouldn't you be angry? Why wouldn't you? Why don't you have desires for something? There's some things are good and some things are bad. You know? Why? Right? That's not, I mean, nobody had to train us to do that. It's built right in. Isn't everybody thinks like that. You know? So how in the world can, can this be the case? Right? And again, that's that's this deep realization of our, of our eternal selves that comes into play here. That the attachment are for things ex- external because we don't have, we're not fully satisfied. We don't have full satisfaction in ourselves. So we're trying to find satisfaction externally. And so the things we are attached to and desire, we think those will help us to increase our happiness. Those things we're afraid of are the things that are going to crush whatever little happiness that we do have. Right? And so the anger is, is, is natural after that. You think, oh, why? Why, do I, why does it always things never work out for me? Why is this always in the way? Why does this person bother me? Why does that happen? Why do all crazy things happen? And you get angry because we want to have happiness, but we can't do it. Hmm? But it's that when we when we come to that 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 platform of profound knowledge, Jaya Shishi Gornatai. Jaya Shishi Radha Madhavan Jaya Shishi Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman. Then, when that happens, when we when we understand ourselves, when we begin to understand ourselves as souls, servants of Krishna. And we experience the intrinsic happiness and joy and satisfaction that's there. That changes our whole world. We perceive the world differently. What do you need to become happy? You don't need anything. So why should there be the raga? And these these other things that seem to cause you, you know, distress that aren't pleasing, they can't penetrate your full satisfaction. They seem very. They become very attenuated and, 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 and tiny, and anger. Then what does it matter, one way or the other? Hmm? So then, in the next verse, uh, it, it says how they react to that. Okay, because because of this, they they react in a specific way. In the material world, one who is unaffected by whatever good or evil he may obtain, neither praising it nor despising it is firmly fixed in perfect knowledge. Hmm? So it's a, it says, whatever it is, and it says that there's no, this uh, abhishneha, here it says, ya sarvatrana abhishneha, abhishneha, one has no, 
no material affection. Sneha is you know, love or affection. There's nothing, because everything, we're happy inside. And whatever comes, you know, shuba or ashuba, auspicious or pleasant or un- unpleasant. Huh? It says that they, uh, um, they don't praise it and they don't uh, envy it or, or condemn it. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, this is wonderful. They're not reacting. It's not, it's not, not an issue. We always react. And so Prabhupada says here in, in the... I've actually taken the purport to the, the previous verse because it kind of actually in one sense fits, fits this one even better. Prabhupada says, Such a fully Krishna conscious person is not at all disturbed by the onslaughts of the threefold miseries. For he accepts all miseries as the mercy of the Lord, thinking himself only worthy of more trouble due to his past misdeeds. And he sees that his miseries, by the grace of the Lord, are minimized to the lowest. Similarly, when he is happy, he gives credit to the Lord, thinking himself unworthy of the happiness. He realizes that it is due only to the Lord's grace that he is in such a comfortable condition and able to render better service to the Lord. And for the service of the Lord, he is always daring and active and is not influenced by attachment or aversion. So when the, when the devotion reach, reaches that this deeper level of profound knowledge, all the things that seem to disturb us or attract us away, from that perspective, they just seem inconsequential. It's simply a change of perspective, really. From our perspective, where we don't have a lot of inner satisfaction, these changes are very relevant. They make a huge difference in our experience. If I'm not feeling very happy, and I can feel a little happiness, that makes a change in my life. And if I'm feeling a little happiness, and then something bad happens, oh, that's so difficult. It, it changes my status. So they seem very significant. We pay attention to them. They're relevant. We experience this in smaller ways, even in our daily lives. When some days we can be very happy. We wake up and it's a, just a beautiful day. You feel happy. You feel joyful. Notice how you deal with the good and bad things that happen to you especially the, the negative ones. Oh, it doesn't bother you as much because you feel so much happiness inside some little irritations that come your way. They just glide off a little easier. People are a little rude to you, but you don't take it so personally. You carry on with your business. And then what about the days when you wake up and you're feeling just miserable? Every little thing <laughs> can annoy you. Every little thing will bother you. So even even within our own lives, we can see how that inner happiness affects how we relate to things that happen to us. So if we have if we're situated in a, in a, in a position where we have full satisfaction and joy that isn't related to what's going on outside, it's just intrinsic. That's what the soul is. That's what we are. Then the the fluctuations are even noticeable. They don't affect your mood. 
a little bit more, you know, some pleasant stimulation, some unpleasant stimulation, it's not relevant compared to this ocean of joy that you have in your heart. So that's how they feel. And they say, if it, even if it's a little miserable, right? they say, well, this is the result of my past karma, and Krishna has minimized it. That's all right. You don't become angry and blame people, you know. That's what we tend to we tend to get angry at people, you know, and blame them for now you're making me unhappy, you know. No, they even they even recognize, you know, that this is, you know, some these things happen. Sometimes you're going to have pleasant stimulation, sometimes unpleasant. That's natural, and it doesn't affect them very much because it it's it's not so relevant. They're they're, they're filled with this joy. Okay, so let's go to the third question. How does such a person remain inactive? How does he sit? How does he sit? So we'll notice, well, let's go on a little. The verse is, is 258. One who is able to withdraw his senses from sense objects, as the tortoise draws its limbs within the shell, is firmly fixed in perfect consciousness. So we talked previously about the desires that come in the mind. Well, if you just try to sit quietly for some time and pay attention to what happens, okay, you probably will have those desires that come in the mind, but then you're also going to feel other sorts of desires. <laughs> you, want, you, want, you get restless. You want to do something. You want to experience something. You want to see something. You want to taste something. You want to hear something. This is boring just to sit here. Uh, you, 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 you give little children, you know, time out, give them punishment, sit there and do nothing, you know. Drive them crazy, you know. <laughs> you can't do anything, you know. And you know, what's life without being able to do anything? So you, 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 want, you want to see, taste, touch, smell, run. You want to do things. Speak. Hmm? Here it says this person, I mean, for us, you know, I guess the, the, the close analog is we, we're sitting and chanting Hare Krishna. We're chanting our japa. Nicely peaceful. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really simple situation, right? If, if, if you have a nice, especially if you have a nice environment for the chanting, right? It's just you, the mantra, and then of course your, your mind, and then your mind and your senses. So it seems very simple. You sit there and chant Hare Krishna, listen to that, and what happens? You know? The ideas start to pop up, thoughts start to pop up, you start to get a little restless. You may have to start walking around a little more. You do this, and you, you, you see, you know, find yourself looking around <laughs> to see, <laughs> find some new stimulation. You know, listening for other things. Right? This, this is this is what's, what's natural. So we we have been because of our lack of internal happiness and our habit of trying to find happiness through the sensations. Right? The the this this desire comes upon us. The, you know, we're, we feel like we're missing something. If we're just sitting, so we're missing something. We're missing something. We need something more. So it says this, this person is able to just withdraw. They're either, either you know, if we're chanting, we can just fully co concentrate on the chanting without any disturbance. Fully concentrate on Krishna's name or somebody who's, a, who's more of a jnani. Right? They, can, they, can just, they can just remain inactive. And be in the bliss of the, of the of the of the soul. No disturbance, no problem. 
no, no push, no, we call them, the, in the in nectar of instruction, they call the pushings, right? The little <laughs> things that we're pushed to do different things. The urges, no urges. Fully satisfied. When, you, when you're satisfied, right, you become peaceful. Sometimes we have some, some feelings of satisfaction, we feel so much more peaceful. <sighs> Mind doesn't give us trouble. Oh, the, all the other things. And suddenly everything becomes very simple. Life goes from being very complicated to very simple. Hmm? So this is, you know, this is what we're looking for in our, in our devotional practice to try to reach this 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 situation. Um, the, the there's a, also a, um, I guess the, the, there's a doubt that's expressed in the next verse about that. Also, so, yeah, sometimes you can you can sit and not do anything, but your mind. And you, you'll be, they'll still be like maybe you can actually sit peacefully, but you're fighting the mind and your other urges. You're fighting it, right? So, so what's the use of that, right? They said, no, no. In this case, because the the, the the profound inner peace, there's no struggle. There's no struggle. It's not an imitation. Like when we try, we have to fight it. <laughs> but they don't have to fight. Just it's there's so much satisfaction. It becomes, becomes peaceful become simple. And so Prabhupada in his purport says, the tortoise can at any moment wind up its senses and exhibit them again at any time for particular purposes. Similarly, the senses of the Krishna conscious persons are used only for some particular purpose in the service of the Lord and are withdrawn otherwise. So again, this is this this is what happens like if, if we're Right now, we tend to be trying to do things for ourselves, trying to improve our own situation and happiness. So someone who has come to the, to the, to the situation where they feel this inner happiness and they understand themselves to, be, to actually be servants of Krishna and to find joy in that, then it's very then the equipment that we have the mind and the senses are easily used in connection with that and you don't have to fight them wanting that fighting them wanting to you to do things for your own benefit so here's the problem so when there's some service they can use the senses but otherwise no problem they're not. They're not bothering you. You can chant. How you can you know remember Krishna? You can chant Hare Krishna. You can you know study things like that. But you don't. You don't have. You don't worry about that. So this this struggle is gone. And then the 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 fourth question is how does such a person act in the world? How does he walk? So so when he's not. So you know, does it mean that 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 the person has to be withdrawn all the time? Right, you know, like you you can do it. That's that's hard enough to do. But but do you have to? What what happens if you have to act? Is that going to blow your <laughs> blow your inner happiness and your profound knowledge? What happens if you have to use your senses? Right, it's one thing to stop them and to and to just be peaceful. But what happens when you have to be in the in 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 actively in in circumstances that could you know, distract you or or, or uh, you know, cause you some trouble? So the, the 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 answer is given in uh, in two seventy one. A person who has given up all desires for sense gratification, 
So this is selfish desire, Kaman, who lives free from desires, who has given up all sense of proprietorship and is devoid of false ego, he alone can attain real peace. So it says that the 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 Vahaya uh, Kaman, so it's all it says giving up all the selfish desires, all of them, the sarvan, all of them. Mm-hmm. And they can they can live, they can act in this way. Uh charity, they can act in, in such a way. But they don't have selfish desires. And they do, and they have this is this nirmamo, nirahankara, this eye and mind is not there. One of the things that, that, that binds us and really keeps us thinking that that these physical bodies are ours and that uh, the things that are happening in this world are relevant to our happiness is a sense of, of, of me, mine, and, 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 uh, and, and uh, well, this ownership is mine. So it says, nothing is mine. Everything belongs to Krishna. Right? And I am something besides the servant of Krishna. I have, I'm somebody. We have this desire to be somebody. All of us have some desire to be somebody. It's baked into us. If, if, if people tell us that we're worthless, we'll feel terrible. If people praise us, we feel good inside, deep inside. That, that shows that desire. We want to be somebody. And we want to prove it. We want to prove it. So it said, if we if we can come to the to the situation where we understand that everything belongs to Krishna, that's not mine, that I'm His servant, I'm not somebody, independent of that. It says that person can act. And we 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 have that. You know, Sri the Prabhupada did was as active, and and his spiritual master Sri the Bhakti Saraswati, they didn't. They, they were both qualified. They could do bhajan. They could just sit down someplace in Vrindavan or Mayapur, a holy place, and they could simply have chanted Hare Krishna, remembered Krishna's leela, and had no trouble in the world. They could have, uh, Bhakti Sandha Saraswati did that for, for some time. He had that ability. His, his guru said that, I see the, the, the renunciation of Rupa Goswami and Raghunath Das Goswami in him. He's, he's deeply... But... Instead, in order to benefit others and to serve Krishna, they acted. Prabhupada left India and came to the West and traveled incessantly. But he didn't have any selfish reason for doing it. It was just a service reason. He wanted to satisfy Krishna. He didn't think any of any, anything he had was his. Even his accomplishments he didn't think were his. He said, they came by, by the mercy of my spiritual master. They came from the mercy of Krishna. They came from the help of his disciples. Sometimes he told them that they were helping him so much. So he didn't take any credit. And all he said, and as, as far as his, his, his uh, hunkara, thinking I'm the doer, or I'm, uh, I'm somebody, that uh, a hunkara can also mean, I think I'm acting, I'm doing. Kara means to do, and I am, I'm the one who's doing it. Uh, so you take credit, you know. 
where he says, no, I'm only acting by the mercy of Krishna, the mercy of my spiritual master, and the help of my disciples. He was thinking like that. He didn't, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything independently. And it doesn't give me any status. So under, with that kind of a mentality, it doesn't matter. Krishna will bring this up again in chapter 3, that you can you cannot act. He says, you don't have to do your duty if you're in this state. But there's no harm in doing it. In fact, in this case, in a case like this with devotional service, it may be a great help to do it. Because you're, you're, you're helping others. So, so anyway, this, so the, the verses here are things we can meditate on and, and, uh, and compare it and contrast it. Like we can remember these verses when something bad happens to us. <laughs> And we begin to to to, to despise it as it has here, or criticize it, condemn it, or when we rejoice when something is happening, we can remember this and and and, uh, and think of the characteristics here. When when we're trying to chant and sit peacefully, we can remember these verses and realize that that uh, that what we're dealing with right now is simply a sign that 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 we haven't grown as much as we want to, but we have hope. But this isn't this isn't the the eternal condition that we have to remain in. That that by by practicing our spiritual disciplines, that we can more and more experience this internal joy, more and more identify ourselves as 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 loving servants of Krishna rather than as somebody who is trying to find their own happiness. It's possible for us to do it. And if we, I think if we, if we kind of keep these things in mind, remember these verses in these different times, it helps us to, to bring us back <laughs> from where we're headed. We start to feel, start to feel this anger. We can, you know, if we can remember that, we're like, oh, <laughs> why is that? Why, why, do I, why do I not feel the inner happiness that I should? Why am I taking it so seriously? It gives us, uh, it gives us something to aim towards. And we realize that it's possible. That the, what we're living right now, the way we're living, is a distortion. It's, we think it's reality because we, we're used to it. But it's a distortion. We're rather, we've lost our perspective. We're, we're, we're completely focused on these external things. What pleasant thing is going to happen, what unpleasant thing may happen, what I want to achieve in the future. And I'm missing the source of, of joy that's right there. It's me, the real self, that I can find in my service to Krishna. So, so we, with, with some patience and work, we can become persons situated in profound knowledge, just like is described here. So, comments or questions? Just if you wait for the mic, just for a moment, yeah. Well, just we we were we were recording it, so other people won't be able to understand. So yeah. Okay. I think uh, personally, I have a challenge uh, uh, in how to control your anger or or one's anger. That's my challenge, and I mean. Uh, struggling with that for many times. Um, I don't get angry just like that. I, 
I, you know, a lot of times I get angry when I feel somebody has come across in a very unjust manner. Mm. And while I will not say anything to that person, but I have very angry reactions within me. Mm. So I was wondering if, you know, if there is a step-by-step process, you know, mm. through this and how to sort of retrain your mind again. Because obviously I, I've not been able to do that. Mm. Well, there's, I, I, the one thing you can do, it was suggested really in, in the purport that we read, is that why do things like that happen? So what we tend to do is this natural is that when if somebody treats us unfairly, that we blame them. If, the, if this person wasn't such a fool, then I wouldn't be suffering this trouble. If they were a nicer person, I wouldn't be suffering this trouble. So we, we, we identify them as the cause. And we blame them. And we think, you know, why can't I deal with people who are, who are nice and normal? Why do I have to deal with this kind of stuff? And we get angry with them. But there, there's a deeper cause for why things happen to us. And that was mentioned in, in the purport. That we have, we have our karma. This, this was, there's a, a, a place in, in the Bhagavatam, Srimad Bhagavatam, where, where there's, there's, there's this one person... It's called the Song of the Avanti Brahmana, where he he describes the causes of suffering. And so he says, if if somebody is mistreating you, treating you unjustly, it's an indication that sometime in the past, maybe this life, maybe previous life, you've done a similar thing to others. And the likelihood is that you still, even if you're not actively doing that a whole lot, in this life, that that some of that tendency still remains deep within you. And so, when it happens, we can uh, we we can you know maybe maybe it has to happen first after you get angry. Maybe you're not going to be able to react very quickly. But after you've gotten angry, you can reflect on it. Say now, why was I angry? And well, you know, this person was this and this and this and this and this and this. But why? What was the deeper cause? That somehow now I'm experiencing what I caused somebody else to experience previously. And I see now how unpleasant that is. And I can feel a little regret that I've caused a suffering to somebody in that same way. And I can think about how I would not want to do that again to someone and you can you, it's even possible because what's possible happens is these things tend to build up right the, the first time somebody does something like to, to you like that then it, you may be you may be angry but when it keeps happening and in this world you're going you're going to run across more and more people the same thing keeps happening right and so just like if, if you if you if you kind of tap on your arm Lightly, I'm just hitting my arm, just lightly. So it's not nothing, I can withstand it. But if I do it for five minutes, ten minutes, it becomes very sensitive. Even if I'm just boom, 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 not, not hitting hard, you know. Oh, you get, so the same thing, when the same thing happens, right? you become, you know, it, it creates a sore spot. And so then it tends to build up. So what you can do, even though these, these other experiences, it's too late for them. Right, you 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 can't you 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 can't uh, 
Um, you know, the, the things, these other times people have done it to you may reside in the past, but what you can do is you can reflect on those times. Because also, oftentimes this is what happens. When something happens again, automatically your mind goes to the previous times that people have mistreated you. And so then, then you're, you're reacting not only to this time, but all the different times. And so then you're really mad. Because <laughs> you know, all this times it's happening. So you can go back and you can look at those other times and make that same reflection. Because memory works like this, actually. When you access a memory, you have a chance. Because what happens, when we experience things, we don't just remember the experience, but we remember how we felt about it. Our understanding of the experience is also encoded in the memory and encoded in your heart. So you're thinking, I was mistreated by this person. That's what happened. But if we reflect, we say, well, I experienced something from my own karma, something unpleasant that came from my karma through, through this person. See? Same thing happened, but you're, you've recorded it in a different way. So even when you, when you open it up and understand it differently, you, get re, you re-encode it, it's changed. You can actually, in some sense, change your past <laughs> by if you understand it differently. And, of course, the other thing we can do is we try, the, the, the main thing we try, try and do is to deepen our spiritual practice right? so that we're, we're accessing the spiritual happiness that's within us just in a normal situation. That makes us less, less sensitive in the first place. Right? We, we talked about this here. This is the profound knowledge we talked about today is that realization of our spiritual self that's whole, that's full, that's fully, that's satisfied, that's joyful, not connected to any external happenings. It just, you know, you'd say, we'd say a causeless or a just, a, just a, an intrinsic joy that, that, that persists no matter what's happening. We have that capability. So through our spiritual practice, we can access that more and more. And that makes us less sensitive to what happens. We, we mentioned that when, when we have the inner unhappiness or the lack of happiness and fulfillment, then we take these things very seriously because that's all we have. The little pleasant sensations are all we have to sustain us. <laughs> I'm not satisfied. So only the nice things that happen are the only things I've got. So we hold them so dear. You, you had more? You had more to say? Is you satisfied? All right. All right, thank you. Hare Krishna.